I'm going to start with a nice word on Parshas Meshputim from the Rechaim HaKudosh. The Pusik says, V'chiyak ish es avdoi oyes amusei v'shaivet, imais tachas yudai nukam yinukam. Ach im yoim yomayim yamoid lo yikam, ki kaspahi. Somebody hits his servant, his avid, and he does his slave, and he does so with a stick. Then, you know, if within a day or two he doesn't um, recover from it, then nukam yinukam. If he does recover within a day or two, yomim yomayim, then lo yikam. Why? Because he kaspahi. So the Chaimukhiz brings an interesting psaq from the Rambam. The Rambam says that the Pusik is talking dafke b'shaivet, with a stick. But with a saif, the sakin, what if somebody hits his, uh, his slave with a, with, a, with a sword or a knife, or even with a, with a stone, or he punches him, and we see that he's gonna, it looks like he's gonna die, then even if it takes a year, it's way past your mind, even if it takes a year, then, then the, the Uda, the, the master, gets killed. Rechaim just explains, now why should it be that way? You know, I hit someone, it took a year, and, and the other guy was only giving a day or two because he was hit with a stick. What, what's the, you know, why is the pussy being specific on that? So he explains that when somebody's hitting his slave and he's doing so with a stick, it looks like he's trying to train him. You know, he's not a good slave. He's slacking off. He needs someone to give him the mister. He needs some chinach. So you're giving him a, a, a patch. So Hashem, Hashem gave the guideline that if within a day or two he recovers, okay, you meant well and it didn't go so bad, so it's okay. But if the way you're, you're beating your slave is with a certain achzurius, and you see that you, you're almost trying, you're basically trying to kill him, you're not trying to teach him. You don't teach people with a sword or a knife. Then, then you're basically killing him. So you're not teaching him. So even if he lasts for a year after your, your abuse, that's not something that Hashem was willing to forgo. That, that, that the way you did it showed that you really are chayiv for what you did, even if it took so much longer. Uh, now that what you did seem to be causing his, his death. Now, this is a very interesting idea. Um, and it's only according to Shittis Rambam, it seems like. But when it comes to Chinuch, Chinuch Abunam, very often we do things to children, say things to children, teach children. And a lot of it comes with the attitude or with the right, let's call it. Um, I'm allowed to do this because I'm a parent. If I'm a parent, he has to listen. Now, this master and the slave in the Torah, well, also, he's the master and he's a slave. And a master is allowed to teach a slave. And that's why when he does it the right way with a, with a stick, it's considered teaching. And, and there's a lot of leeway with teaching. But sometimes the way you do something, just because of your position, doesn't mean you're doing it the right way. And sometimes what you're doing is not anymore an educational issue. It's a, it's a control issue. Sometimes what you're doing is an abuse issue. The fact that you're the parent and you're talking to a child, or you're a rabbi, or a teacher, and you're talking to a student, it doesn't mean that what you're doing is not abusive. In other words, your position and your role, and even your obligation to be mechanech, is not always going to dictate and, and going to decide if what you're doing is right. It's so important to remember that. Sometimes what you're doing becomes obvious. You're doing the wrong thing. And just like you understand you can't do it to someone else, you can't do it to a child either. Sometimes the motives and sometimes the, you know, what, what's underlying, it, it starts becoming obvious by what you're doing. And, and, and that's something that's very important to understand and to take seriously and to always think into what we do and have the cheshman nefesh is what I'm doing to my child correct? Am I doing it just because I'm allowed or because I'm the parent and he, he should always listen to me? Why is he doing differently? So that's why I'm allowed to... Or no, I really do want to teach him. I want to be healthy and grow and be the best person I can be. It's a very important question neighbors that I know is not always easy and sometimes we should ask other people to help us with that as I'll explain. So let me, let me just read a, a, a letter I got a while back. Okay, first of all, thanks for your essays. They're really inspirational and I gain a lot from them. Okay? So every time somebody mentions my essays, aside from the thank you for the thank you, 
Um, I mentioned that whoever wants can sign up to get my essays at parashallessons.org. P-A-R-S-H-A-L-E-S-S-O-N-S at lahair, L-E-H-A-I-R dot O-R-G. And I mentioned you'll get a weekly essay written in English. Okay. I have, a qu- I have a question regarding my daughter that's turning 10. She doesn't want to get a haircut. She's giving us a hard time for the past three years. We tried bribes and preparation, and nothing works. Since then, one haircut was done by force. We got a house call another time, and she got it cut after giving a very hard time. By the next house call, she refused to get her hair cut. I feel like we're going through too many power struggles just in this area. In other areas, she's really well behaved. If you have any advice about this topic, it would be greatly appreciated. Okay. Yeah, two or three haircuts in three years is, is you know, definitely quite extreme. Um, so let's let's try to discuss this. Now, again, this is pretty specific about one area, but like I always say, everything I'm going to be sharing now is not only about haircuts, it's not only about 10-year-olds, it's not only about daughters. You know, let's, let's see if we can say something that's a little more uh, relevant. So, for starters, whenever there is a problem, it's always important that it should not become the focal issue and have everything else go unnoticed. And this is why I tell people with every problem. You have a problem with someone. You're mentioning, by the way, it was in parentheses. I didn't mention. The, the parentheses was that in other areas she's really well behaved. It's no parentheses. The rest of it should be in parentheses. The fact that you have a well behaved daughter at 10 years old, that's, that's the thing. In parentheses, you know, we have a difficulty with a haircut. And obviously this is all just a metaphor, uh, just like uh, the idea of parentheses, but it's so important to have a relationship focused on the good parts of the relationship, especially when there's so many good parts and only one difficult part. And very often, we, you know, you see the black dot on the white paper, and someone asks, what do you see on the paper? You see the black dot. That's how, that's how we are. That's how we're wired. And sometimes the whole relationship starts revolving around the haircut. And I know it's not easy. It's not easy to be calm and nice and accepting and comfortable with somebody who has such long hair, and this is a major issue. But it's just something to remember. If your whole relationship with your daughter turns into a haircut issue, and too many power struggles in this area, as you mentioned, that's, that's already a problem. Especially when it comes to an identity issue. And your daughter feels like the girl who's making aggravation, the girl with the long hair, the girl who, who is considered to be stubborn and obnoxious and inflexible, all because of the haircut issue. So, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. It's not, it, 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 it puts a child down, it makes them feel bad about your relationship with them, it makes them feel bad about themselves, and this becomes who you're dealing with. This is the identity of this child. And sometimes everything starts revolving around this issue. You want to go on a trip? We'll go on a trip. If you cut your you want, I'll buy you this. If you, cut, you don't cut your you're not getting it. Everything starts becoming a negotiating issue. The whole thing is just from the morning to night. Now, again, I have no idea if that's what the letter writer here is doing at all. I'll be happy to hear that I'm totally off. I'm just mentioning because I know that this sometimes becomes an issue when somebody has one issue and it just becomes everything. It becomes who they are and it becomes everything about the relationship with them. So that's first of all. Now, when it comes to getting hair cut, like I said, and I only know what I'm reading off a paper. So if I say something that's more or less accurate, it's just I'm just guessing. I don't want anyone to take anything personal or, or any listener to say, oh, but I heard something else in the question. I, I might be very wrong. It's important to, to know when to stelzich, when to put your foot down, when to make sure that something is taken care of, and when to let it go. And it's almost an art, let's say. Now let's call it an art for people to really assess properly which things are important, and need to be dealt with, and which things aren't important and shouldn't be dealt with. Now, some people say, well, well, I told her to do it. She's not doing it. I can't let her know that she doesn't have to listen. That's part of an equation. It's true. By the time parents say something, especially when they promise something, or especially when they 
you know, when they put that, when they say that they're never going to let it happen, you know, that definitely now adds to the equation. So should we or not? After we said that, that's true. But I'm talking about in advance, and even after knowing how to how to resolve that as well. But I'm saying in advance to know when to put your foot down and when not is an art. So of course, by the time you you said that if your child gets up late, you won't take him to Chayder. Maybe you shouldn't anymore because you said you won't. But maybe the fact that he had a chasna the night before and he was going to sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning means you shouldn't have said that. Because now that you said it, like, what do you do now? It's checkmate. He's not getting up on time. So this is something that's always uh, just important to take into consideration. And it's important to remember that we often get stuck on things because we're too subjective, we're too close, we're too offended by it, we're too emotionally evolved and invested in something. I can't handle... My daughter's here. I just, I just can't handle it. And if I can handle it, it must be it's the right thing to now do something about it because I can handle it. Maybe yeah, maybe not. You might talk to someone who will tell you, oh, it's not so terrible. I saw your daughter's here. It's not, it's not so bad. What do you mean it's not so bad? I, uh, the other girls go like this, my other daughter and this one. Sometimes you don't realize how much of your opinion and your perspective is so emotional that it's not can die to, to rely on it completely. I'll tell you personally, that I have an advantage of talking to people every day about all different kinds of things. And there have been many things in my personal life, let's not get too detailed, that I do differently or changed over time, even just my perspective, because I was hearing it from someone else. And when that person was saying it, it seemed so silly. And it was so obvious to me that that person shouldn't do things a certain way or shouldn't be stubborn about something or should just give in or shouldn't make a big deal about it. It's not really so important. And hey, like as I'm talking, I have to remind myself of Robert Tversky's thing about the patients on the other side of the table because that has so much to do with me as well. So I have the advantage of hearing it sometimes from the outside and in that person's home, it looks so trivial to me, even though it's almost the same exact thing. In my home, it's so important. One second, maybe it's not. So this is just something that every parent has to, every once in a while, realize that a lot of what you're seeing and a lot of what you're getting all, all eaten up about just has something to do with the way you see it and, and may not necessarily be as important or as critical or as uh, you know crazy or difficult as, as you think it is. That's, that's also something to to take into consideration. Now, even when something is important, even when it is important, and sometimes it is important, it's still sometimes the right thing to do to not make a big deal about it. And this has to do with taking into account a child's abilities and a lot of other situations, or, or the implication of, of, you know, of being stubborn about something and, and, and going with force. Everyone knows the idea, which nobody should know from it, but everyone knows of the idea that never when parents have a child, let's say that's off the derrick or something, all the rules change. All the rules change. Why? Unfortunately, the child's going through a crisis, emotional, mental, or just spiritual, going through a crisis, and, and what, you, what you want to do, and what you think was important until yesterday, and was important, it's not going to work anymore, and you just have to, you have to surrender in certain areas. You give in. Some people can't. Some people know they should. Some people see other people making the mistake of not knowing when to surrender. My point is just that, at some point, even if something really is important, the fact that the child won't handle it or can't handle it, or the fact that even if the child will handle it, it's going to now clap somewhere else and cause another problem, these are things you have to take into account. So slowly realizing and figuring out what really is important, and then even from the important things, at what point is it just not so important anymore because my child is not handling it or what it's causing to us, you know, that can also sometimes just take it to the next level of helping you understand that even some important things you can't always have your way. And I know it's not easy for people, especially when, what do you mean? But I'm the parent. Again, so you can try, but it's going three years and it's not working. So sometimes, sometimes, you have to, you have to take into account that now we, we, um, you know, stretch a little, a little more. Another thing, just an interesting point, is that so often the little mishigas, and even the big mishigas that children have, or anyone around us has, 
it becomes so so major. And it does. It really goes on our nerves, especially when it is a mishagas, or especially when it's something totally crazy, out of bounds, inappropriate, etc., etc. A lot of that has to do with the fact that I can't handle the enemies of mishagas. Your obsession and your craziness is to me it's like so irrational. I, I can't relate to it. I, I go crazy from it. And I'm right that it's not normal. I don't realize that I have my own mishagasana, and everyone has the mishagasana. And it's a cute story about a guy who came into Mishagoma, who's in a psych ward. And you see, he's talking to the people there. Everyone's crazy in the wrong way. And one person, he talks to him. The guy sounds totally normal. He says, I do, you work here? He says, no, I live here. You live here? You live. He talks to him again. He sees that the guy's totally normal. So he goes to the manager. He says, that guy, why is that guy here? He says, what do you mean? He's one of the guys. He said, really? I, he seems so normal. He said, yeah, you spoke to him. Yeah. Did you ask him to sit down on that chair? No, I would ask him to sit in that chair. Go over, just ask him if you can sit in that chair. I must have mentioned this in the past already many times. So the guy goes over to this fellow and he says, yeah, he starts talking again. He says, you mind if I ask you a favor? Sure, no problem. You want to sit down in that chair? And he starts hollering and kicking and screaming and tantruming and he totally lost himself. He had a whole meltdown and a whole episode. And the moral of the story is that everyone has their chair. Sometimes you don't realize where a person's crazy because you didn't yet touch his button. Now, I'm not going to say that everyone's crazy. I'm not going to say that everyone's the same crazy. I'm going to say that everyone has their place where they're not so normal and that's normal. It's normal for each person to be obsessed over something, to be crazy about something, to be intolerable in a certain area. And sometimes it's just our own lack of tolerance to somebody else's mishagas uh, that I think is just important to, you know, to to understand. Last week I was talking to somebody who also had an issue. Okay, I'll, I'll say this much. He was actually an older bukhar, and he was a very obedient, compliant, erlicha bukhar. He was doing everything the way his parents want, um, wholeheartedly and willingly, a good bukhar. There was one issue that his parents wanted from him that he, he could not bring himself to do. And he was so stuck on that emotionally, he started, and he was, he was crying to me. He said, I don't know what to do. I, I can't handle this thing. I don't know what to do. I can't get myself to do what they want in this one area. What do I do? Now, the more I was talking to him, the more I realized he, he mamish can't budge. Nothing I was able to say, nothing he was able to say. He was even trying to come up on his own with, like, what can make it easier? That's it. He said, this is my Mishigas. I don't know what to do about it. Now, maybe I need help. Maybe I don't need help. Maybe there are ways to help me. There are things that I did get over. This one thing, I, I just can't move on with. And, you know, it, it, it made me realize that, just talking to him about that topic, that, yeah, some people have it here, some people here. When a person's open to it, it says, listen, this, this is where I'm crazy. I'm not, I'm not explaining myself. I'm not, it's not a general issue. It's, it's one area where I'm getting stuck. Everyone gets stuck somewhere, I think. So this is something that's important. And I'll tell you something also funny as I was preparing this for what to say now. What came to mind, interestingly, I'll just mention it briefly, something personal. I remember a certain time when I had a Meshagas um, walking in the hot weather with a coat. I'm not going to go into why and when and where and the details, but I remember this. I remember that at a certain age that I had this Meshagas, it was hot outside, and I was wearing a coat, either because I liked my coat or because I liked how I look in the coat or I wanted to do the thing. It doesn't matter why. And I remember... Not long after that passed, and it did pass, Baruch Hashem, I don't do it anymore, uh, but I remember realizing that my parents didn't tell me not to. Now, I'm sure they noticed. My parents are very normal people. My mother's a mechanechas. Um, but I remember realizing later that, isn't it interesting that they didn't tell me not to do it? It must have looked so funny. Now that I grew out of it, now that I came out of it, now that I realized that it doesn't make any sense anymore. But yeah, that's sometimes, sometimes, good chinuch to let somebody have their mishigas and deal with it, and eventually, usually, grow out of it. So this is just something to realize, that when somebody has their own mishigas, sometimes you want to tolerate it. Next point, sometimes, especially with certain types of children, certain personalities, the more you shtelzach, the more stubborn they get. So here we go again. And there's something, again, last week I was dealing with a parents, with a child who had an issue that seemed like it was a very big problem. Um, 
And as a matter of fact, I spoke about this recently in a shir, about getting a kid to eat, and I got back an uh, email from somebody after that shir that, yes, we once took your advice on this in the past, not forcing a child to eat, and Bokshom he eats, no problem. We don't realize sometimes how the more we shtels, the more power struggles we implement, and the more we carry on about, about how we're not going to let this happen, the, the bigger the problem becomes, the longer it lasts. So these are just, I'm just piling up all the points over here, without knowing the details of how crazy the situation is, of... Maybe it's not terrible. If it is, sometimes it's still best to not pick on it. It's important to understand that everyone can have their problem and that sometimes it's your actual getting stuck on it that's making it worse and making the child more resistant. So these are just um, things to, to think about. Now, the good news is that sometimes, like I said before about myself, and I've seen this actually with haircut issues. This is not unique, by the way. There are children who have haircut issues, boys and girls. And it was an issue that I saw I was trying, trying to help up close with a child who had an issue taking haircuts, and it was it was extreme. It was very extreme. It was it was not normal. The child didn't look normal. He wasn't even dressing normal at that point anymore because of it, and it was taking over his life. And there was nothing anyone could do. This professional, that professional, all kinds of different things. Nothing worked. And Daibshigalofim, one day something came about. You know, it was a certain technical issue that not everyone thought would trigger the the yeshia, you know, that would change things, and it did. You, 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 might, you might be surprised to see that when it comes to going to a certain sleepaway camp or changing a school or whatever, like, or, or a certain simcha, and it just did it. Baruch Hashem. So some people just have to wait it out. Now now that I mentioned the school and the, and the, and the camp, let me also mention that sometimes that's what, that's what it takes. Sometimes you could actually have someone from around, you know, under the table quietly um, helping you with this, turning it into a very technical issue. You want to go to camp. Well, the camp director said you can't come with long hair. Now, you're not saying that to win the child and say, listen, here it is again, you and you're here. Right? No, I wish you could go to camp. I'm trying to get them to take you as is. They seem to be getting stuck on this. What do we do? You never know which technical decision might help your child grow out of it when she's feeling that there is no resistance on your part and that you are understanding and you are validating, you are accepting of her the way she is. And now it's just a technical decision she has to make and a very practical uh, you know, block in her life where she has to realize, do I want this to stop me or not? You never know what's going to do it when she feels less challenged by you and less controlled and less forced. Now, with all that said, I always like to give the flip side. I, this, her issue is her issue. It's not your issue. It shouldn't control you. So often she's going to tell you, for example, it's late at night, you have to drive me to that store because I need a certain shampoo because of my long hair, for example. Or you have to buy me a new hat because this one doesn't fit because my hair is too long. For example, these are just examples. Listen, I understand you, Shefer. I understand that it's hard for you to cut your hair. I understand you like when your hair is very long. Right now it doesn't work for me to go to the store. Or right now it doesn't work for me to buy you a new hat. I just bought you one. Listen, I hope you can make do with what you have. When you say it the nicest possible way, but you show someone that that issue is not controlling you. You're not controlling them, but that's not controlling you either. Now that, that, that's, that's definitely very important. And very often you could even... Again, this is very tricky because you have to know how to say it and when to say it and when not to say it. But just as an example, I'll gladly take you to this place... I don't feel it's appropriate to be in this place with this long hair. So I, I think it's not best to go. When you're ready, we'll go one day. No issue. It's not coming with any kind of negativity or control or challenge. It's just very technical. You're not going to make me do something I feel uncomfortable with. Now, of course, you don't want to give your child a feeling that you feel uncomfortable with them and that you're ashamed of them. And that's also something to take into account. I just mean to say that when someone's issue is now going to affect you, but because you don't want to control them, you're letting yourself be controlled, that's as big a mistake. Sometimes it's you're not being controlled by someone else's issue that's actually helping them realize the buck ends here. If I want to move on in life, you know, I can I can do this anymore. So those are just some, you know, some 
Now, my point is not that any parent should let their kids grow their hair any way they want. And in most cases, when you put your foot down and you tell your child, listen, I don't think it's proper, I don't think it's derchers, I don't think it's sneers, I don't think it's chenech, most children will listen. I'm talking to the parents who are three years into the power struggle. I'm talking to people who are not only with here, but with other issues. Nothing's working. Oh, if nothing's working, then think about the things we're talking about now. My point is not that you should just tolerate everyone's mishigas and anything a child wants to do is just, you know, free-for-all, liberal, you know, let everyone, let, let them wear the yellow shirt and the green pants and the pink socks. No, if it's wrong and you don't think it's good and you don't think it's going to make a good image, you don't think it's coming from a healthy place, of course you could say something. Just be careful that when you're doing something it should come across with the right motives and it shouldn't come across as or be coming from the need to control or the need to dictate and, and, and not tolerate what's important to someone else. I will just end off saying that there's sometimes very specific emotional resistance that a child has to something and sometimes you never figure out what it is. Sometimes the child themselves doesn't know what it is. Sometimes there are ways to figure out what it is. Sometimes it's a, it's a trauma issue of a past haircut or a story about somebody who got their hair cut and got their head stuck in a haircut machine. There are ways to help people pass certain things. When somebody's stuck on something specific, often there are ways to get them past that, especially with well-behaved children who are just some, for some odd reason getting stuck on something. And very often when you understand what the problem is, it's easier to work with. So again, I, I, I can't tell you there's something that maybe one-on-one you'll be able to discuss with somebody or with your child or have your child discuss with somebody to figure out what's behind it and maybe be able to resolve it. But in other words, not everything is, is a behavior issue, not everything is a control issue, not everything is a chinech issue. There are emotional and mental issues that sometimes can be dealt with and resolved, and if they could, that's the best. But if you can, or if you tried, or if it's not working, then it's good to you know, discuss this with somebody to make sure that it's not your misinterpretation of what's going on, and the best way to deal with it, and with Hashem's help, you know, we'll help ourselves and our children get by every difficulty, and Mr. Messi Nachas more of them.